Welcome back, everybody, to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is the show where we share diverse perspectives that they don't want you to hear. Uh, this is episode 57. 57. I'm Brentley. I'm Dan. And today we are joined by the lovely, beautiful wearer of hats, Carrie Smith <laughs> of the program. Welcome, Carrie. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I do wear many hats. You have great hats. We were calling you that before before you came on. We were like, oh, she has such great hats, great outfits. Like we're gay and you dress substantially better. So we have, <laughs> we have no no fashion sense. We wear t-shirts. Carrie, you just want to give the people a little background uh, on your show, uh, what you do, what you talk about, where they sure. can find you. Yeah, so you can find me on my new channel, Deprogrammed, which is on uh, YouTube or any of the places you find podcasts. And on Twitter, I finally have a name that is easy to remember. It's just real Carrie Smith. Okay. Uh, it used to be Good. hard to pronounce. So nice. And what do I do? Oh, well, deprogrammed is it started as a series of interviews I was doing trying to better understand my old belief system, which was social justice. And I was in that belief system for about 20 years. Wow. And then when I came out of it in 2016, 2017. Yeah, I think of it much like coming out of a cult. You're, it, it's a long process. It's not a quick thing. And so I just started interviewing people and trying to talk to people and better understand what it was I thought social justice was versus what I think it actually is. And, and so I've, talked to, I've been able to talk to professors like Brett Weinstein and uh, James Lindsay and then also yes. people who have their own personal stories with leaving different parts of that cult and other cults. So I've talked to uh, uh, this girl, Helene, on, on Twitter who, who um, detransitioned. I've talked to, most recently, I talked to Jack Buckby, who's a former white nationalist. And that was really oh, wow. interesting. Yeah, because I had never interviewed, I'd interviewed lots of people who left social justice, but I had never interviewed someone who left like the actual white nationalist alt-right. I know they call everybody alt-right, but this dude actually was Wow. White nationalist alt right. And so that was also interesting because then there's places where our experience overlapped and then of course some very big differences. Yeah, we we've also talked to someone who detransitioned. Um Laura Becker. You should go check her out. Uh, I think she goes by at Dtranny actually on on uh Twitter, but she has a couple of different profiles. She makes music, she's an artist, but that was, I think, one of our most important conversations and one that I think is uh never gonna be dated. I think it's always gonna kind of have relevance to yeah. to what we're living through gender and mania yes so. um let me just uh remind folks that oh, we yeah. are accepting donations so yes. if they want to financially support the show there are links in the descriptions to venmo paypal and cash app if you want to contribute crypto you can send me a dm and i will give you the appropriate wallet address for the appropriate crypto yeah. Um, and like, you, comment, share. I was going to say, if you don't, if you can't financially support the show, just hit the like button. You know, sharing it with just one person in your life really helps. Um, subscribing really helps. We've got up to, I think, just 425. Something like that. We, we just hit now. 420 recently. We're getting <laughs> dozens of downloads from it was the, a lot. We've been doing things this now. A year. So next month will be a year. So YouTube hates yeah. us. We're shadow banned on Instagram. Also, you know, it's just hard to get a long form podcast off yeah. the ground when you don't have, you know, something to sort of like branch yeah, it but off of. Extra hard when you're shadow banned and they fucking hate yes. you. Like I can't even tag my podcast <laughs> on Instagram. Like I can't so, tag my own podcast. 
So. I think that started around, they saw what happened in 2016 with the, the rise of this sort of non-traditional media and different personalities online yeah. and, and, and how that also had an influence on the political campaign that year. So people like Milo Yiannopoulos and, and Alex Jones and, and all these yep. people that they saw as having this cultural influence that, that impacted politics. And they really cha started changing all the algorithms. That's when they kicked up the censorship and everything, because it was sort of, yeah. we don't want to let anyone else rise to that level of prominence. And yeah. when it hits you, you see the difference. Like I remember on Instagram, uh, when we first started the DR page on there, it was growing pretty quickly. Like we were getting followers. Like it, I think we were getting at least like a hundred uh, a week or something like that. And then in July was when the shadow banning really started. started. And I noticed we couldn't tag ourselves anymore and things like that. And it just slowed it down to a crawl. But you know, we keep going anyway. We're just, yeah. okay, we're going to do still, it. You we're know? still on YouTube, thankfully. Yes. <laughs> we haven't gotten axed off there well, yet. Your personal channel. Yeah, I had axed, a personal so. channel that got axed, but that was, that was sort of like a learning yeah. experience. But this is why we do appreciate like the sharing and the donations and stuff. Like we just got our first donations this week. And oh, word, which is awesome because we never asked for money. And mm -hmm. we just started asking for money because Josh Slocum was like, ask for money. He's like, the key, he's like, the key is you got to look directly into the camera and actually ask people for it. And like, all right, well, maybe if we start doing that, then more people will donate. But I just thought it was great that we didn't ask. And total strangers. Well, one of them was someone I met back in like college. He was a friend of a friend, not someone I expected to watch the show and support me. So really surprising. The other two are total strangers. Never heard of these people well, at all. So it's because people, they, they know what's going on. They know about the shadow banning. They know about the suppression and the banning and they want to support. And, and some people can do that financially to, to support the media they like. And, and yeah, Slocum is right. Yeah. Don't be, I had to get over that myself. I don't do it enough, but don't be afraid to say, Hey, if you like it and you yeah. can afford to support us financially, go I mean, ahead. They're going to call you a grifter anyway. You know, Whatever. the cultists you know, are going to do it anyway. So fuck it. Might as well grift. Might as well actually ask for money. Like. But see, grifting is like, grifting is, is it actually means something it's it's a con artist. Yeah. It's like a, a snake oil salesman. So it's, it's making money off of words and ideas or a product that you don't actually believe in yeah it's like elizabeth holmes with theranos you know like that yes. you just oh saw that, that the documentary was i was yeah. blown away by that documentary but uh it's a, that's why we love we love the name of gothics's show where she just called it the grift, the grift because oh, that's funny kept calling her a grifter <laughs> like i'm gonna make that my show name and the origin of our name is also it's similar um just mm -hmm. talking out about identity politics and against the new normal bullshit and stuff in the lockdown we we heard it a couple times from people they kept accusing us of dangerous rhetoric yeah. And after a while, you know, when we had the idea to have the show, that's I was just like, name for that's a, a great name. Well, let's just yeah. trademark that if they're going to keep accusing <laughs> us of it. So fuck it. The dangerous rhetoric. That's the show now. So yeah, you kind of have to make fun of those things yeah. that people. So uh, on my, you know, on Subscribestar, you can name the tiers of support, different things. And so just sort of poking fun at all the things they call you. My tiers are sort of like, you know wrong thinker heretic um, oh i love the, it the top level is literally so hitler great. 
we definitely need to get like a subscribe start we'll get there going. we'll get there yeah, yeah. i kind of i kind of want to grind out to you know like a thousand or two thousand subs first and then you know get the bigger audience all going, right and then we can do that now with all that out of the way let's get into the meat and potatoes so right. you exited this cult we'll call it this mentality this social justice way of approaching life and politics and you know societal structures and you were also part of what was called the walkaway movement correct yes well not i wasn't officially part of walk away but i was someone who walked away okay yeah i did i did one event with them in it overlapped with some with a, a myth informed i think it was in milwaukee or wisconsin anyway and I was there for the Better Discourse Conference. And so I did speak at one of their events. Um, yeah, the what Brandon Strzok did with that movement was, I think, really valuable because he gave a name to this phenomenon that was happening, all these different people that were walking away from some part of the left or maybe specifically the Democratic Party. I think in his case, he sort of billed it more as like specifically the yeah. Democratic Party and he made it more of like a political walk away thing. But he gave a name to it and he gave a place for people to find one another and realize, you know, I'm not the only one. There's lots of us who are walking away. Specifically, I feel he kind of gave a voice to the quote unquote minorities who weren't aligning with the woke mentality and were almost getting like cast out for not aligning with it. So we could say, yeah, they walked away. But I think part of it too is a lot of people got thrown out. (laughs) So you could even call it the thrown out movement. (laughs) Yeah. In my case, (laughs) when I walked away, it was like, so 2016, 2017 was when I kind of started making that transition. And um, it was a, it was, I chose to walk away. But then once you make that statement and, and in my case, I had been, um, in touch with Jordan Peterson, who had, he'd read a letter that I wrote him trying to figure out all this stuff about my ideology. And he was, you know, I found him because someone had shared a video in my social justice echo chamber, accusing him of being transphobic. And I went there expecting to find a transphobe and to hate on him, like good little- and you were like, wow, this guy's follower. actually reasonable and he's making <laughs> right. sense. He made a lot of sense and not just in that video. In that one video, he was making a case against compelled speech. Mm. But then I started watching more of what he was talking about and he was giving me words to describe, you know, before walk away was a thing, he was giving me words to describe what was happening and what I was seeing and that I wasn't crazy. Like, yes, this is something going on in this belief system I've been in for two decades. And I- wrote to him he shared it on his channel and then I was really afraid I was still working in Hollywood at the time I was sort of known as the feminist comedy manager I represented a lot of woke comedians I was super woke um and I was I was really afraid because I thought okay even though he changed some identifying information what if I'm outed as you yeah. know I was still in that career and I told him I was afraid and he said you have to get over that fear but you know what? This is the the way humans work. It, it's not an easy. Th- it, it was another six months before I wrote my s my first essay, which was on leaving the social justice cult, and that was sort of my coming out piece to all of the friends. A lot of them who are now former friends, unfortunately, but people in my world. I was sort of trying to speak to them and explain what I saw happening and see if they could see it too, and 
when I did that, then my walk away, my walking away was sort of public in my circle anyway. And, and then it was sort of, yeah, you are thrown out at that point. You can't, I had a friend fly out to Texas and do an intervention with me or try to, and (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And it was sort of, you know, she said humans are tribal and I was, I agree. I do. I think we're tribal. And she said, so you're not just leaving the tribe, your people perceive you as attacking the tribe. Like she was getting calls from our mutual friends, like what's happening to Carrie. (laughs) And uh, yeah, she said, you can't come back after this. And oh my God, like, well, don't I don't want to come back to, <laughs> I hope you'll come with me. You don't have to be, you don't have to be a Republican. You don't have to be a conservative. It's right, literally yeah. just leaving one tribe. I'm like, I want to just be a nomad for a while. Can I just wander and figure out what I think about things? Is yeah. that possible? Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> What's crazy though, is like, and I've heard this from a couple people i know mike harlow has said this and i've heard others say this too in the lgbt community that it was harder for them to come out as a republican or a conservative or a libertarian or a conservatarian whatever non-leftist ideology that they were a part of it was harder for them to come out in that way than it was even to come out about their own like sexuality and identity and that's a really crazy thing Absolutely. And what does that tell you? It says a lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. Are you guys, how do you consider yourself? Are you conservative, liberal? Do you not think about it much? Are you? I mean, so I've only ever been registered third party. Uh, I was libertarian when I was young. And then I, I, I didn't like libertarians at that time. Then I went independent. Then I went Democrat. Then I went independent again. Then I went Democrat again. And now I'm independent. So I've never actually been a Republican. Um, I have a lot of disdain for the Republican establishment because I, I sort of the fuck Bush era. Yeah, I I was in college from like 2001 through 2005 and I was in D.C. at the time. So I was one of those people out protesting against Bush's wars. Um, you know, protesting his inauguration. I still have pictures from back then. So I, I actually hold a lot of liberal or classically liberal, I guess you could say, views when it comes to personal autonomy, freedom of speech. Yes. Um, I'm yeah. a big like 1A, 2A person. I love the Bill of Rights. I love America. I love freedom. Um, but I, we've always been critical of America. So that's why we never kind of fell into the conservative Right. camps really because they're i think um, of myself more we're, more, we're more anti-authoritarian i've always been yes. independent i've never been registered with either of the two parties and i would say yeah i guess i traditionally came more from the left when i was younger and in college uh, i went to occupy wall street to see what that was all about to talk Me to different people that was actually more of a diverse event than the media portrayed it as too which is interesting they portrayed it you know, I know Bill O'Reilly was like at the time really against that shit and he was portraying it more as a bunch of lefty radicals. But I talked to a couple like Republicans and stuff there. I remember one woman I talked to was like a, a college professor and like her husband worked in media and stuff and and he couldn't find a job anymore because he was like overqualified. So there was definitely a diverse amount of viewpoints at Occupy and it was kind of like a microphone was set up and anyone who had grievances with the system just kind of showed up to share their grievances. So what you just said is very important, I think, because this is what they do. They're locked into this binary way of looking at politics. They want us to be distracted and to think the most important thing is, are we on the red team or the blue team? 
And that is not, in my opinion, very important anymore. It's whether you're authoritarian or you're for individual rights. And as long as they can keep us thinking in this, in this to bring up tribalism, keep us locked into this phony tribalism of right, left. And so what do they do when there's a movement that's happening, that's uniting people, that's very diverse, as you say. So when Occupy Wall Street was happening, I was there too. Um, I went down there. It was, like you said, people of a lot of different political opinions. But the media, the conservative media, painted it as a leftist thing. They're all right. socialists. So, all. yeah, so you can keep the people on the right from joining. So yeah. if any tribal people on the right get the message from their media, don't be a part of this. This is just leftist. And then they did the same thing with the, the recent protests the past two years over vaccine and, and mask mandates. Right. I went to some of those. It was a big swath of people. But they said, the liberal media now, the left media said, oh, it's all right-wingers, it's all Trump all people. Trumpers. And yeah. same thing. So yeah. they get people to just, you've got the this natural human inclination to look at something like that and to fall into um, naturally the authoritarian or the individualism camp. But then they're telling you, no, 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 no. It's a red, blue thing. And this time this group is red. And so all the blue people get out, you know, and, and that it's amazing to me how that works. On the yeah, I was also, I was very into like the zeitgeist movement back then in college. And I thought a lot of those ideas and the things that like Peter Joseph and, and people like him were Jacques, uh, what the hell was Jacques Fresco? He was an inventor, you know, like, oh, we can use technology to free society and stuff. I definitely ha had a more, uh, God, like a idealistic way of thinking we could solve society's problems. Um, I've since been disillusioned of that stuff, oh. but you know, it's my political journey is never, it, I've never been, I've never fit into any of those camps neatly. And I never, I, I was always someone who never liked to put labels on my mind because it felt restricting because I always felt my views were in flux because I'm getting more information and I'm changing with with that information so to put a label on myself felt like I was already boxing myself in yeah although I understand why we have categories and labels because we need to like try to identify the differences in the way people think so I get that but it just felt restricting to me yeah it is restricting and you're one of the people that they don't know how to market to there there was a really interesting piece that came out I think it was CNN sometime in the past two years where they were kind of the person who wrote it was uh, very transparent they were very open and honest about the whole the whole theme of the piece was hey we're polling these people who are vaccine hesitant what they were calling vaccine hesitant and they were like they're not overwhelmingly Republicans. What do we do? <laughs> How do we sell this to them? We thought they were Republicans mostly. And it's like, yeah, you don't get it. And they don't know how to talk to people who are not, who don't, who don't buy that bullshit to pardon my language. They don't, they don't know how to talk to us. Cause they're like, you have to be this or that. I'm like, no, I'm not. I think what, it, what it comes down to is like people like us who are independents, you really have to earn our vote. We, we don't have that allegiance and we're not going to just vote for you because you're the Republican or you're the Democrat. Like you need to earn it. Yeah. In 2016, I was very critical of Donald Trump. I didn't like Hillary Clinton either, but I, I was basically decided I was just going to abstain and, you know, let, the, let the, the, the chips fall where they may. I fully expected like many others that Hillary was going to win. And when I woke up the next day and Donald Trump was the president, I was like, wow, yeah. that's, 
that's not what I expected. Interesting turn of events. And then I ended up voting for him this last cycle just because I was making like sort of a protest vote. Yeah. And I you really lost friends over that one. Yeah, I lost a lot. Of, well, whatever. Uh, and I was, you know, public about it. I, I didn't like the, I definitely didn't like Joe Biden. I was a big fan of Tulsi Gabbard. I love mm-hmm. what she, yeah. I mean, she just was, I felt like she really brought the two sides together that she was seeing things clearly i love that she was you know in the military that she had that experience that she was anti-war she's also traditionally from the conservative side like her father was like republican and conservative and, and i know when she was younger she was like really against gay marriage and all that stuff and and then her perspectives changed. shifted and changed over time and then she be, became a democrat but she's probably like the only democrat we even still like kind of like yeah, <laughs> yeah i voted for her and in the in the primaries and, and like you i ended up voting for trump this time around i uh i voted for him because he was the most liberal person i could choose from which is crazy him and Joe Biden. <laughs> do you know what i mean like yeah, yes. the actual definition of liberal that's yes. he was more liberal but i was one of those people in 2016 i didn't go to bed like you brett i stayed up and i was one of those people crying uh, wow! I didn't see it coming. <laughs> so you you were you were like that meme of of uh, the the chick with the glasses going. <laughs> yes. One of the best moments from that year. Hold on one second. I think. I'm sorry. No, go for it. That's okay. There's a there's a cat that gets under my house. Yeah, we're back. All right. Sorry, guys. Interruption. Tiger. Look at the tiger. He's so cute. We had a, a dog and cat fight interruption. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's fine. I mean, when we had Juana on here the first time, I don't know if you know Juana from Twitter. She's great. Yeah. She also lives in New York. Um, oh, I love Juana. Yes, yeah. Juana. Yeah, she's awesome. She, uh, she had her dog, Maxine, and so her dog would interrupt, and then our dog was interrupting. Like, that was the first time we had interruptions on both sides. <laughs> without our dogs it happened oh part of it yeah tiger's cute how old, how old's tiger he's about seven i think I, I got him about six years ago okay yeah raid is a rescue he was also he just had his sixth uh or no it's gonna be it's gonna be six no he'll be seven in april seven, yeah so they're around the same age yeah yes all right, what were, you, what were we talking about? Before? We were talking about uh, where we sort of fell, that we voted for yes. Trump, that and, was, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, I, that I was one of those people crying. That's yes, right. and you were one of those people <laughs> crying. So, so describe that. What did, what did it feel like to you? Did you really think that, like, wow, like Hitler just got elected? I thought something close to that. I wasn't that far gone, but I definitely... I was trying to write an essay afterwards because I saw a lot of my friends. I was still in the cult at that point. I had just started questioning things recently and I saw a lot of my friends falling into despair and I was trying to write something to help make sense of where I thought we were at. And I, and then I looked back at that old essay, which I never published. I looked back at that essay recently and I was calling him a demagogue. Yeah, I did that too. (laughs) I wrote a piece in, I think it was, uh, during the primaries, I guess this was probably in 2015, uh, for SOT.net, I used to do some editing and some writing for them. And they, uh, they published it. It was called Demagoguery and Cognitive Dissonance. And it was just sort of an analysis 
of Donald Trump's character and a lot of his following. I had this picture, there was this very stark picture of this old lady giving like the, the salute. And so I put it in there and I was comparing him to, to, to Hitler at the time because that's what I thought at that point in time. And then lo and behold, you know, things change. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how it's almost like, I, I, again, I've grappled with this question a lot. How do people fall into systems of belief that can be so totally off base. And I think what, part of what they do, what they're good at doing, and when I say they, I mean the part, the different parts of this machine that's that's pushing one particular ideology. And so that whether that's the media or, or politicians or entertainers, et cetera. Yeah, the establishment. Um, the establishment. They do a good job of uh, engaging in DARVO, which uh, deny and reverse victim order. It's yes. A, Yes, it's a term from um, that people talk about. Uh, people with narcissistic personality disorder do this all the time. Yep. They will accuse you of the thing that they're doing. They flip everything upside down. Yep. And if, if, if they do it before they even do the thing, they set the narrative first. They yep. get in there first and create the narrative. And so then when it becomes that Spider-Man meme where you're like, wait a minute, that's what you're doing though. And it's just this sort of pointing fingers at each other because they've they've already, in a way, preempted you calling out what they're doing by accusing you of it. Yeah, we had a discussion with um, Harrison Coley, who is a editor over at Red Pill Press, and he's also on uh, this podcast called Mind Matters. And they uh, published this book called Political Ponerology, which is which was the first attempt at sort of like scientifically understanding how totalitarian and authoritarian systems in government rise to power and all the the little maneuvers that they do in order to psychologically manipulate large groups of people. It's a study of evil, literally. And one of the things, the techniques that uh, Lobachevsky was the author, he coined this term called the reversive blockade. And that's when they lie in 180 degrees opposition of the truth. So it's kind of the same thing as Darvo. And what they what that does to the independent observer who doesn't really know what's going on is that they try to find what's called the golden mean between the two sides. And that will all, always benefit the liar. So if somebody is telling you know, the God's honest truth and somebody is pathologically projecting and lying in 180 degrees opposition of the truth, you know, somebody's going to say, okay, well, maybe like each side is a little bit right. And they're going to yes. try to find where that golden mean, that average is between them. And that will always benefit the pathological liar. And unless you understand that that's what's happening or that that can happen, you're always going to be susceptible to that kind of psychological maneuver. Right. That is absolutely amazing and it's something i've been thinking about a lot the past few years that's that's exactly what they do i mean josh locum talks about this a lot on his show but they are using abuse tactics yes. of people with personality disorders but they're using them on a mass scale yeah. the population he calls it's it amazing. like a scaled up version of the narcissistic abusive family yes. dynamic and and i think he's spot on there i think that is what we're seeing here on a large scale. That's why we love to talk to Josh. We had him on previously and uh, also from Harrison. I think like we, we're all sort of seeing the same thing from a different He was on Harrison's angle. show too. He was on Mind Matters. Josh was on Mind Matters. Yes, he oh, was. Word. I think I think that was how our friend Tom heard about him. Oh, and okay. then he recommended him to us. He was like, you guys got to talk to Josh because you guys are uh, saying similar things. And also he's a fellow gay man. So you guys were kind of relate in the non-woke gay crowd and that, that's another thing too which is great because like 
before this, I never really had that many gay friends. Brent did, but I didn't. I didn't grow up with a gay scene. And it's just interesting. It's interesting because it, it wasn't until I started speaking out against identity politics and over the last couple of years that I've actually made more gay friends. <laughs> interestingly enough and there are these more open-minded like unwoke gays and we all sort of just yeah. started finding each other and especially on twitter oh it says our internet yeah. is stable did we just okay no i think we're still here Woo you we hear this connection right? so okay, i can hear you okay yeah, you just froze for a second so. okay cool okay well yeah so that's it's a very it, it's it's so strange that this seems to be what's happening is that we have the the establishment using these uh, abuse techniques and engaging pathological personalities in order to sort of it's like weaponized thought control coming down through the media and through centralized information. Just think about lockdowns. I mean, lockdowns, that whole thing is that's an abusive relationship. It's like, well, no, you can't go outside until I say you can go outside <laughs> and you can't do these things, you know, until you do this. It's like, oh, well, you have to inject yourself with this. Then you can it works. do this. It's yeah. crazy. It's like, how is that different? Yeah, I mean, I know it's different, but it's similar conceptually to rape in an abusive relationship where, well, no, you're going to let me inject my DNA into you, whether you like it or not, or your allowance is cut off and you can't use the car or you can't go out, you know, hang out with your friends. It's, it's an abusive relationship dynamic. Completely. And it works on people. It does. And, and that it understanding this better on a personal level with like an individual narcissist or sociopath. And once you start to realize what those tactics are and how they, how they convince some people, it's helped me to understand what's happening on a global scale much better. So now when I look at someone like Justin Trudeau, who just completely does that 180 inversion where he says, you know, I'm for freedom. The truckers are authoritarian. It's like, that's insane. It's nuts. But it works. It works. Yeah. It works on, it works on the, uh, the simple minded, you know, the yeah, same but, people Jedi mind tricks would work on. <laughs> yeah. It's the simple minded, but it's not just that. I think, I think that's it's part of the problem. Is, it's the it's fear, fear and it's, yeah. yeah and I know some highly intelligent people yes. who get pulled that's into true. this. That's and true. if you look at yeah. any cult, it, it's, um, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. Uh, no, no. The, the, like Heaven's Gate, for example, that was a cult that had a lot of highly intelligent people in it. Yeah. And it dispels the idea that this is just something that, that. That's true. That's a good point. Oh, I should have been a little quality. more little more accurate in saying that and i think even uh thomas saul has written about you know the intellectuals and you know there's definitely a danger there like very smart intelligent people could probably end up being the worst authoritarians when you think yes. about it because they're the ones who could really figure out you know what to do to you and how to do it yes plus they can also they get used a lot to try and pseudo intellectually justify the contradictions those people are the people that give credibility uh, to it. That they give credibility to it. They come up with new language. They come up with these mental gymnastics that try and excuse the fact that it doesn't, it's not internally consistent. It doesn't make sense. And they yeah. come up with new words like, oh, and, and, and new definitions of old words like racism. They're like, no, 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 no. Here's why, here's how we can get you to engage in racism, even though you believe your, your whole goal in life is to oppose it. We're going to redefine racism. Okay. Yeah. Like, 
that's what happens. I was one of those people. I was a mouthpiece for that stuff. I was trying to make it make sense for a long time. Lobachevsky calls uh, people in those positions spellbinders because they would speak the magic words that would entrance and manipulate the, you know, the, the, the basic people into following whatever the rationale du jour was. So like Sauruman from Lord of the Rings. Yes. Yeah, they can, and they, they, it's, it's all about manipulation of language. And when you, like one of the big red flags is, as you said, it's that redefinition of words. It's the coining of the new terms. Yeah. And then that you deploy them as like, almost like thought weapons that will either, you know, attack or, you know, capture people uh, out in the general public and then yes. convert them almost like, you know, an army of zombie hordes. And then the result that we see is like cancel culture, which I'm, I was listening to your last episode of the program and it's something you're very familiar with. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you guys spoken with, and Brent, I'm sorry, I was calling Brent earlier, Brent, uh, the book that you mentioned, Political Ponderology, I've had so many people recommend that to me recently. I awesome. have to do it. In our There's book. a new awesome. edition coming out. We're really happy to So hear wait that. for the new edition because there was a big problem in that it was very clunky technical yeah. language translated from polish a lot of there's a lot of jargon but they've added a lot of footnotes and and explanatory they simplified it down things, a lot yeah, so to help people once the new edition comes out we're going to be promoting that but a lot that, that book's been out for years it's now 2005 yeah, is the and, first edition was and published brett and i have known about it for quite a while and we've been talking about it for many years but that that gives me a bit of hope Knowing yeah, that you, people are starting to recommend it to you. That's awesome. You know who's recommended it to me the most is Nina Infinity. Have you guys talked with her? Um, I don't think so. Look her. Oh, you have to talk with Nina Infinity. I think you would really dig each other. And yeah, I, I trust her opinion. And, and every time I talk to her, she's like, have you read the book yet? Not yet, but I'm going to put it in the deeper book club. So I'll, maybe I'll wait for that new edition. Yeah, I think that'll be more accessible to a wider range of people um just because they they've done a lot to streamline the language and uh they've uh they retranslated a lot of it they use more um modern uh they have they have a whole like group of polish speakers in in their group so they were able to go back and sort of look at the original polish text oh we would definitely language we would definitely get along with her i'm like reading her bio she loves cats anime (laughs) movies books video games sci-fi she also loves hats and hats (laughs) yeah Yeah, cool we'll we'll look into nino maybe we'll invite but yeah i think honestly i think and that was one of the things when i was down at occupy wall street um i I recorded this video it was the first time i actually ever like made like a video that went online but uh i talked about ponerology and how it you know like the concepts involved in in that in the book there it kind of explained what was happening and how the people in power we gotta find that do you know where that video is yeah it's i think you can find it by googling occupy psychopathy i think it comes Uh, it's on vimeo i don't have it on our channel but i could probably i can ask i know the guy who has the oh i found it yeah it comes right up you just say occupy psychopathy but yeah i'm a much younger man yeah (laughs) it's like 11 minutes long but yeah it's it's a long rant what's funny about this video is i actually saw this online i think i told you this before but i saw this online before i even met you and Mm -hmm. knew knew who you were (laughs) which is crazy because then years later we end up dating and seven years later small world (laughs) yeah small world but i was you know already interested in these in these subjects and 
plus Occupy was happening at the time. And I'm like, oh, Occupy Psychopaths. I love it when I, whenever I hear somebody use the P word, I, I just, it gives me a little, it like warms the cockles of my heart. I'm like, oh, they know. Drop the P <laughs> word. Oh, yes. I, I, I feel you on that. I've spent a, uh, well, I don't know if you guys are true crime fans, but uh, there seem to be a lot of women who are into true crime. And, and I think part of that might have to do with, you know, women on average being more interested in people than things and trying to figure out yes. these uh, disordered personalities, trying to figure out people, trying to figure out evil. I think also um, there's, there's more of a, a fear generally in women that they will be like a victim of crimes because well, like they, they right. can be well they're more susceptible because, statistically yeah. i think they're more likely to yeah be. biologically men are always gonna have the the advantage of being able to take it to that point you know mm-hmm. yeah well i think it's all related that's why i i'm interested in cults i'm interested in uh, you know the disordered personality types because it, it as i said before it sort of helped me to understand what's happening on a large scale mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, it's all interconnected. So when I understood, when it started to click in my head, like, wow, there are particular people walking around right now who have no conscience. It's just not there. And not just that, they're able to play act the full range of human oh, emotions yeah. to then blend in like a chameleon. When you understand that, history starts to make a lot more sense. Make a lot more sense. Yeah. Some of them better than others. Yeah. Like Jesse Smollett something wrong with him for sure some type of narcissism something and definitely i recently rewatched his interview where he was tearfully describing i think it was with robin givens his tearfully describing his fake encounter his Mm -hmm. attack and good actor yes like he could do the whole range of emotions that one might feel and you know no wonder he was so convincing but there are others who there's a whole range of them and there are others who are not, uh, they can't pull it off. And that's one of the red flags. Some are, some are easier to see than others. I'm very grateful for the ones that kind of stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Robert Hare has this book called Without Conscience, which is sort of like the, my first the primer on the subject. Yeah, yeah. It's a good introduction to the subject, but he, a lot of his uh, knowledge from that book was drawn from experiences with prisoners and well, basically all of it, because those were the only ones he could interact with to get get the information from because you're not going to go find a regular psychopath like outside of prison who's going to sit down and, and have an interview well, with the thing you, well you the know? thing about prisoners is he kind of said that they were sort of failed, the failed psychopaths ones. because yeah. they got caught yes the really good ones figure out this way to navigate the legal system yeah. or they have you know they, they they can be hyper intelligent they can be doctors lawyers politicians yeah. judges um, and we see examples of them pop up every once in a while. Like there was that guy, can't remember his name, but he was the Olympic dude who was like molesting all those girls. Nasser? Larry. Nasser. Yeah, that was oh, him. Yeah. Larry. And Nasser. I was just like, wow, that was, he, he was able to be in that position for years. He molested like hundreds of women. Larry Nasser. Yeah. And Man. I think he actually, what a creep. he went away and then I think he got out. I don't even remember what his situation but was. But it took forever for them to even do anything about it too. That's the other That's thing. That's because they get, they, they're so good at getting into these positions and having usually like a patron, somebody above them that only sees the, the you know, yeah. the yes. illusion that they create for themselves. Well, I, I remember in the book Predators by Anna Salter, and we've brought that book up on the show before, but. They talked about how typically when, you know, a, a pedophile, for example, gets 
outed or, or it's revealed, you know, or a kid comes forward and, and says, hey, this person did this to me. Typically, what we find is the uh, most people in the community don't believe that. Yeah, they which is crazy is because they just they they can't imagine that that person that they knew could do that. And they yes. so it's just like it shows to show how convincing they can really be. You know, they'll take people in, they'll they'll donate to charities, they'll they'll come do, you know, like soup kitchens and shit like that. And they appear to be these lovely parts of the community. And then it turns out they were over here doing these horrible things yeah. to children. So it it just it messes up the vision in their head that they had of that person and they just can't allow themselves to believe it. Like, no, that person, no, he, he couldn't possibly do that. He was just at the nursing home last week helping those those poor old, old people. There's no way he touched that little boy. Yeah, they they put, people tend to, you know, the, the way that psychopaths or narcissists project, people tend to do something similar to that. I wouldn't call it projection, but they sometimes assume that everyone else is like them, like yes. normal people. And so they can't imagine that someone would do some of these things or be such a good liar. They need or to watch have no mind hunters. Watch mind yeah. hunters. Yes. Yeah. Watch that. Speaking of true crime. Yes. But it's like, come on. Like, how do you, that will definitely shatter that perspective when you really start to understand like, okay, there are people out there who like get sexually aroused by chopping people up and stuff like that. Like yeah. once you realize that you will be, you know, disillusion of this idea that there's a little bit of good in everything. Well, that's the thing too about humanity is that we are an incredibly diverse species and we don't really realize just how diverse we actually are. That there are some people out there that are like, like I, the way I think of them are like soulless monsters or sock puppets yeah. for, you know, demons, for lack of a better word. They yeah. just, they, they derive <laughs> pleasure. Alex Jones would say. Well, they, they, it, it is, <laughs> but I mean, it's not a bad metaphor. And, and once you understand, you know, scientifically the nature of these people, you can kind of understand why we have like, why the concept of demon or vampire um, yes. exists. But it's also, it's in their nature. That's another thing people need to understand. It's like, they're like predators in the jungle on, you know, we've described them too as like interspecies predators before. Intra. Interspecies predators. So yeah. it's like, they're like predators in the jungle. And, you know, a tiger is going to be a tiger. You're not going to stop the tiger from being a tiger. All you can do is identify like, hey, that's a tiger. I'm going to stay away from that, you know? I used to be, so when I came out of social justice, I was, uh, I was turned on to uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's writings because of Jordan Peterson. Yes. Awesome. And I thought a lot about his quote about how the line dividing good and evil runs down the heart of every Every heart, yeah. And I love that quote. And I, I, for a while, I was clinging to uh, wanting to make sure that I acknowledge the fact that everyone is capable of good and evil. And so for a couple years after coming out of the woke left, because what the woke left does is it, 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 it splits. It's in, it, that's a psychological term, but it, it engages in splitting. It's like where you see everyone as wholly good or wholly bad. If you're social justice, you're wholly good. And if you're not, you're wholly bad. And so I didn't want to perpetuate that. And, and so I was making a conscious effort to acknowledge, yes, we all are capable of good and evil, which yeah. is true. And you have to be cognizant of that. Otherwise, if you start to think of yourself as wholly good, like I am a good person, those are the people I worry about because they're not 
they don't acknowledge their own capacity for evil. And so those people kind of terrify me because they can be used very easily by these these predators that we're talking about to enact evil on others. And but something recently happened to me in the past year and a half. I've had experience with a psychopath and I've started to view them more like what you're talking about. It's I still think all humans are capable of good and evil. I just think that some people choose to live like live in one or the other sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I do think of these people almost as uh, it, in some way it helps me to think of them as is almost being someone who's possessed because then that otherwise I don't have any empathy for them yeah. if I can view them as someone who's been taken over by and overcome by this desire for evil that helps me to at least try to empathize a little more um and which is hard for me to do with people like that who get off on hurting others well the way the way I see love yeah. is you know love and truth are one thing that's how I see it and mm -hmm. you know you you can acknowledge the truth of what someone is and love them for that but you also got to love yourself and part of loving yourself is well i'm not going to let you prey on me so i love you and by loving you i'm seeing you for what you are and i'm mm -hmm. staying away from you and that's how i also love myself. yes yeah which is smart i found the quote i wanted to actually read it because it is such a good quote um he says if only if only it were all so simple. If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and some people have given up that desire to, they've just gone and taken up residence in the evil part of human nature. And I do believe there are some people who are beyond redemption yeah if you're That's if you're chopping, a... if you're chopping people up you're <laughs> yeah. probably beyond redemption if, yeah if i'm not you know <laughs> molesting little kids and stuff like that well, you might be beyond re redemption because this is some of the most evil shit you can think of and i do want to with a caveat i want to back up because i do believe god can do anything i am a i do i do believe in god now well that's another sort of evolution in the in the way i think about things but i think that that god requires free will everything requires free will and there are some people whose free will their heart will not melt and you know it's it's like you plus god it's not you know god's not gonna be able to redeem someone who doesn't seek redemption right i think there part of what's so important why well, the true spirituality i should say you have to acknowledge the dark parts of reality because th that's a side of god in a sense you know because uh, the way I view God is like, there is nothing that is not God. And I know not all people agree with that in a theological sense, but I don't really know how else to look at it. To me, we're in just like a giant cosmic mind and there's nothing in this cosmic mind that is not part of that divine, right? Mm -hmm. But that also includes, includes the really horrible shit, the evil shit. Yeah. And spiritually, how do you contend with that? Like, why would God allow this to happen in the world? And I think it's that we're in a big school. We're here to learn. And they're at like this lesson level and like some of us are here you know maybe maybe past lives are real for example and maybe like some of us were nazis in the past life and, and rapists and, and child molesters and we did horrible shit and then grew a soul eventually and now we know a little better and we're just like well no that's horrible i'm not going to do that i've learned my lesson but i don't know you know the the spiritual yeah. question is definitely it's i a love conundrum. you 
talking about thinking about this stuff. We do so, too. We do too. Yeah. I, I, I'm Christian, but I, I don't like with everything, like with the words liberal and conservative and where people have all these assumptions about words, they come loaded with all this baggage. And um, so sometimes I know when I go into a situation, if somebody's like, oh, she's a Christian, they're assuming all these things that that are not true. Or yeah, they have a I'm particular view of like what a Christian yeah. has to be. And we're, we're mystics, I would say, but we definitely come from the Judeo-Christian tradition. I mean, I was raised Catholic, so I guess I would be like a Christian mystic. But when I say mystic, what I mean is just we believe in a direct relationship with the divine and that comes through the individual and that is not necessary to go through an official establishment or like mm -hmm. a priest or an imam or anything like that that it's a very personal thing that's like the the idea of paleo christianity or like uh so it's like this concept of like trying to get at what christianity was in the beginning uh you know because it oh, right okay it was a very you know at the time you know christ and his followers were revolutionaries they were uh independent thinkers they were the people that were sort of overturning the old way of thinking and they were sharing these revolutionary ideas of brotherhood and um you know redemption and these were concepts that radically threatened the power structure and cause they still do they still do. And this is the thing, because it's, it's, it's very interesting to me that, you know, like that's, I love this story of Christ overturning the table of I the money change. Say that, yeah. And it's just, it's very, it seems like, you know, we've come, you know, here we are 2000 years later and we're still having yeah. these kind of cultural conversations and they're still relevant. And I think that shows that the spirit of Christianity is is very much alive and very much uh, relevant to what's going on. And I don't think the atheist, I was an atheist for a long time. I had that phase. And school. then I, I, I well, so I, I was, I was raised Catholic and then I realized I was gay. And then I was like, well, if I'm gay and this, they're telling me that gay is against God, then I can't be that. So I was atheist and very scientific for a long time. And then in college, I did a little bit too much acid <laughs> and I had like this experience where I felt like I was like communing with the divine. And after that, it was sort of a slow grow back to, uh, you know, developing a relationship with, with God or the universe, however you like to kind of like conceptualize it and having a more like appreciation for other people and sort of seeing them as you know a reflection of of god of the divine of yourself and understanding that you know everybody is all we're all in this together and we're trying to learn from each other and we're trying to better ourselves and create something that leaves the, the world a better place than when we came into it i wanted to uh, talk about the money changer story because i think it's a really relevant parable you know and it's one of my favorites in in the bible but it's also it's one of my critiques of like the new age movement and and i've been interested in stuff like that for years for most of my life you know i like to explore all avenues of spirituality um i'm interested in comparative religion like i've read the quran i've read like other spiritual texts and you know one of the things with the new age movement is they had this whole idea like you know you just think of love and light and think positive things and, <laughs> and by by thinking of negative things you're feeding the negativity so don't don't get angry be peaceful and, and we can all just sit in boda mantra and we'll meditate and we'll cause a mass awakening around the planet and it's just 
That's what the evil wants you to do. The evil wants you to be passive. The evil wants you to just sit there and quote a mantra. Righteous anger is a thing. Yes. Uh, when, when I look at someone like Martin Luther King Jr., for example, peaceful man, right? He, he yeah. was nonviolent, was not sweet in every way he said things you know he got angry he got passionate he got mad and there's something to that i think righteous anger is is a valid spiritual approach to dealing especially with times like this that we're going through dealing with tyrants and authoritarians is you you can tell them to go fuck themselves and personally i think there is a spiritual way to do that yes i actually i agree with you I think it, there's a Bible verse. Let me see if I can find it. You're making me think of, um, it's about how it's better to be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. Than to be you hear that verse? Yeah, I definitely heard that. Here, let me see. Uh, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. <laughs> Love that's, it. that's Jesus. Oh. He's like, I don't want some fence sitter who has, who, who's too afraid to stand for something, to stand for truth. He's even saying it would be better that you stood for the opposite. At least you would be standing for something, but to be in that kind of people pleasing this gets to um, the heart of something else jordan jordan peterson talks about which is the difference between being nice and kind yes and that makes complete sense to me i don't sometimes people are like oh you're so nice i'm like ah, i don't i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm kind i can be kind i try to be kind i'm not i sometimes fail at that but being nice is about uh, it's about a, a false construction of what others think of you. It's letting other people's thoughts, even if they're wrong, influence how you behave. And that's bullshit. Like that's, that's lukewarm. Like you shouldn't care. And, and it's a struggle. I still deal with this. I thought I had dealt with all of it when I left the woke left of, okay, people in my old cult are going to think, people are going to think I'm a racist. They're going to call me these names. They're going to tell other people I'm a, a, a racist or alt-right or whatever, all the names we get called. And so I'm going to lose all my social connections. I'm going to, uh, my character's going to be attacked. I'm going to have to fold my company, which I did. I'm going to basically, you're stepping out and leaving this whole support system you have. Yeah. And I had to be okay with that and speak hot anyway. And rather than being lukewarm to say something, even if it means those people fall away. And, and then what's happened now is a few years later, I'm finding it's, it's spiritual practices, like going to the gym. It's like a behavior yeah. thing. It's an exercise thing. You have to keep doing it. It's not like you do it once and you learn. You have, no, to, I, have to I, I that. You have to live that. And so I'm going through that in a different way now with, with something else where it's like, well, what if people think this about me or they think that, and hey. that hurts. You know what that is? That's death of ego. Yes. I pray all the time for God to kill my ego and <laughs> Oh my gosh, he started listening to me and it sucks. It's painful. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh gosh, this is what I was praying for. And it's so painful. I wanted to read a, quote, okay. a yeah. quote by Gurdjieff. And he's a, a mystical philosopher that Brent and I have been studying for many years. But he, he said, religion is doing. 
A man does not merely think his religion or feel it, he lives his religion as much as he is able. Otherwise, it is not religion, but fantasy or philosophy. And yes. Kind of what you were saying reminded me of. And then about the the nice, kind comparison, <laughs> there was a viral tweet that went viral in January, which was hilarious, but there's some truth to it, which is why I think it went viral. Uh, this guy, Jordan, tweets, he says, when I describe East Coast versus West Coast culture to my friends, I often say <clears throat> the East Coast is kind, but not nice. The West Coast is nice, but not uh, kind. Yeah. And East Coasters immediately get it. West Coasters get mad. <laughs> <laughs> and there was, there was some really great comments on that too. Like, that's true and this guy was like oh yeah so they started commenting on it and this one person was like new yorkers will will uh not say a single nice word for 15 minutes the whole time they're shoveling your car out of the snow (laughs) yes and then this person adds stand at a flight of stairs in new york city subway with a stroller someone will grab the other end help you carry the stroller and then walk away without saying a word (laughs) which is a good way to it's like that's fine, but not nice. But not nice, <laughs> yeah. totally. It's a uh, there's a comedian I used to work with who had a joke, and well, he got in trouble because he's woke for using the f word, um, the 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 f word that means gay, or n word. You mean? I love right, it. Right, right. He <laughs> got in trouble for word. that. But his joke was basically, I'm going to say fairy instead of the other f word. Okay. But he was like, you know, New Yorkers are are sort of like. Uh, if you ask them about gay marriage, they're like, I don't care what fairies do. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's on the one hand, they're using something that's considered derogatory language. On the other hand, they don't care about, let's like, go ahead, get married. What's in the politics? Right. Um, There's something, a point I wanted to make about this and what you're saying and what we're we're talking about with it being a practice and an exercise, like going to the gym, it's a behavior change. So I want to start talking about this more when people interview me about leaving the woke left, because when we're talking about the top of the show and stuff about con artists and grifters and people who say words that they don't believe in, in order to gain money or power to hurt people or, or, or manipulate people or to gain uh, fame, th- those people, those predators, and there, it is a kind of predator, they're everywhere. They're in Christianity. They're in woke they're in anti-woke and they see an opportunity to speak things that have no meaning to them, but that they know they can, they can use to gain the things that do have meaning to them, which is money, fame, power. And the way to spot those people I've started to realize is that it's a behavior thing. It's a behavior thing, whether you're talking about, like, if you've become a Christian, it, you shouldn't even have to tell anyone it should be obvious just live it through your behavior mm-hmm. yeah if you're no. the point is to be yeah. christ-like that's the point is you're, you're exactly. supposed to try to emulate the example of christ so you live it if you're just going around spewing the words but then you know i i forgot who said this i think it was my dad who used to say the saying to me but uh, it would be a church on sunday fuck you monday Those <laughs> wow <people>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my dad yeah who would it say sounds that. like your dad yes. <laughs> yeah and so those kind of card artists, like, I think they do a lot of harm to the, the, the communities they claim to speak for or claim Absolutely. to be a part of, because then people realize what they are and they think everyone's like that in that world. And I let, 
I let con artists and Christianity scare me away from Christianity for a long time because I thought, well, that's what Christians are. And it's not. Those are snakes. Those are predators who are yeah. using Christianity to to gain power, fame, money. Yeah. False, this is, false yeah. prophets. It's, it's why I always, you know, I think I, I will always just call myself a mystic and take that very personal approach to my relationship with the divine because it's 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 me am i living it you know i don't need to go out there and preach this to people and say well you have to look at things the way i look at things right. in regards to god and the universe it's like no i'm gonna this is how i look at things because it makes sense to me and then i change my behavior accordingly and then i i live it by example yeah one of the things that i find really attractive is the uh rationale of hospitality uh, uh, it was kind of in the, I think it's the, the Odyssey or the Agony, I think the Iliad, but there was one the of these, one of those two stories, I think it was the Iliad, I think it's the second one. Um, and this idea of, you know, being hospitable when, you know, somebody comes into your home and then also to be like a really good guest when you're in somebody else's home. And I feel like it seems like, you know, the story emphasizes the importance of that and how the car is the odyssey. Is. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but like, to me, that seems to be like one of the ways you can embody that. And is, well, I practiced, you know, like I did Airbnb for a long time in, uh, in New York. And that was one of the things that I always tried to do was to make sure that guests in my home were comfortable, that they had everything they needed, that my advertisements were completely honest and transparent so that they knew that what they were getting into. And uh, I, I find that, that that's sort of one way that we can practice the ideas of, you know, uh, you know being, being Christ-like or being compassionate, being uh, good people. And yeah. it just seems to be like one of the things that, that stuck to me. That's that why I, I love thought. Peterson's yeah. approach too. Like when people, I know some people hate this and some of the Christians hate it, but when they ask him, do you believe in God? And he says, I, I, I behave as if God exists. Yes. And I think that's all it really comes down that's to. That's all it comes down to. Yeah. That, that, that's truly it. And I, I know people who, again, I love talking this stuff lately. So thank you for being willing. Oh, to we're glad it. you're talking know, about it with us. I know people who are like, um, they align with Christ, a lot of, let, let's just take Christianity. They align with a lot of um, Christian beliefs and they do want to behave according to Christian doctrine, but they have trouble with the uh, belief part, the belief in a deity. And my pastor, I go to this amazing church. It, this is this is one of these weird coincidences. There's so many of these things that have happened since I since I found God. One of them is that I just happen to be in this tiny town that has this amazing. Okay um pastor who's like a table flipper kind of pastor not physically i haven't seen him flip a table but he's oh, a table passionate flipper. he will speak passionate. hot he speaks yeah. fire yes but with kindness and he's completely awake to what's going on in the world and he's also awake to christian christianity's role in the in the culture wars and in you know pushing back culturally in general and uh he, he his story his conversion story he was someone who was an atheist for a long time, was also, I, I think the way he described it, might have been even anti-Christianity. And he got to a place where his his wife was a believer, but he wasn't. And and he, he eventually got to a place where he envied her belief. And he was like, I wish I believed it was true. 
And so then he started doing the prayer with, there's this one verse in the Bible about I, with this guy falls down on his knees in front of Jesus after Jesus has healed his son. He says, I believe, help me with my unbelief. He prayed, he prayed that to help with his unbelief. And my preacher did that and God answered him. And so if there's anyone who's like, I've, I've talked, I have friends like, but I don't believe. And it's like, okay. And if you don't want to believe that's fine. But if you do want to like, just say that prayer and see what happens. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You know, I don't know. I don't know what's out there. I know enough to know that, that I'm not smart enough to know everything. <laughs> and I got to a point where I started thinking maybe there could be a God it's and, humbling. Then, and then eventually I got to the point where I think there must be a God because I had had all these experiences that I couldn't describe in any other way. And I'm getting like goosebumps now talking about this for some <laughs> It's almost like he's like scratching me on the back. Yeah. And it's not a, I, I think people are afraid of it for a lot of the same reasons they're afraid of being called names if they leave yeah. a certain um, political ideology or what have you. It's all those same things. I had a lot of roadblocks in my head. I didn't even realize, not just political ones. But I had roadblocks that separated me from from God and humanity. I had roadblocks about, you know, this is me being smart intellectual in my little tiny cave. Like, and I'm never going to entertain any of these things because I think I already know what they are. And I didn't know what they were. I, I had, I mean, I definitely came from a similar, I guess, background as like your pastor in that when I was in high school, I went through my atheist phase and but it wasn't just like a like an atheist phase I definitely had a phase of like anti-christianity where I I viewed it as just as a monolith as totally bad totally something that is just dictatorial and controlling and and full of lies and I think part of it is it's like like Brent said too it's being being gay definitely creates a very complicated relationship with spirituality with christianity and if you're raised religious and then once you start going through puberty and you start to realize like wow i'm this thing that i'm being told is an abomination or or is evil it's a very it's a hard thing to come to terms with yeah and it it it, it can definitely make a lot of folks hate the religion so i can understand why so many folks like from the woke lgbtq side of things look at christianity in the way that they look at it because they've, they've felt condemned by it for so long but i think it just you know it's a matter of those people closing themselves off as well and not being open to having conversations with all types of christians and then you will realize like they're they aren't all like that they don't all see you in that way and perhaps if more of them had conversations like this with people like you, they would look at it a little differently. And, and it, even if it doesn't mean they'll believe, they'll at least get to a point where they stop hating Christians, you know, because yeah. there's something about Christianity, especially now in the culture war that has pushed back. You know, I can see that. Like we were just talking uh, in our last episode, which we recorded today, actually. This is the first day, by the way, we've sat and had two conversations for our show. Nice. Well, we were talking about um, Arthur Pulowski. We brought him up and he's a pastor in Canada and he's been arrested oh, a few right. times for standing up against, you know, the mandates. And there's definitely something about his belief in God that grounded him and gave him that strength to to have that righteous anger and then when those you know policemen start showing up at his church to give him the courage to say 
no, I'm not going to let you harass me. I'm not going to let you shut my church down and tell me how I can practice my belief. This is Nazi shit. You're a Nazi. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> yes. And look at, to go back to that lukewarm verse, look at all the lukewarm churches during the yep. lockdown. Complied. Who complied. I, I, I will get fired up about it if I talk about it. Cowards. Yeah. Cowards. And, and, Jesus spits you out of his mouth. That's the way I view it. It's like, like you are not, you're not standing for anything. You're trying to be a pleaser according to, you're trying to please the government, please culture, everyone, but God, there are people who needed you. What would you do during a real pandemic? Imagine something like smallpox where, where people needed, they need a, I think people need a, a pastor. Like they need a doctor. It's like, to, for you to shut your doors, that's your job. Shameful. Shame on them. Shameful. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get really, that's where my righteous anger comes out is oh, just towards, yeah, towards people who are supposed to be shepherds. Yeah. And it wasn't just, like wasn't just Christians, you know, in, in New York City, yeah. I think uh, in Brooklyn specifically, there were, there was a, a big, large movement against the mandates from the Jewish community. You know, and standing up there like, no, you're not going to shut our synagogues down and tell us we we can't worship. So it's definitely not just Christianity. It's like it's that idea of religion itself. And for some people, they need that. Will everyone need that to fight back? No. You know, we, we have friends who are atheists like Josh Slocum. He's an atheist. Mm-hmm. Not everyone needs that. But some people do. You know, I think they, they need something bigger than them to feel I don't know, like, like someone has their back because they might not have someone having their back and they might feel that all they have is God. I think there's something like really depressing about the materialist atheist sort of worldview. Yeah. This idea that, you know, you reduce everything to just matter, just matter. And that, you know, when you die, that's it, you know, you're gone, you wink out of existence and that's the end. Like, it's just so fatalistic to me. And I don't find it, you know, it, it doesn't really align with what we know about thermodynamics either you know we know energy cannot be created or destroyed it can only be changed so if the energy of consciousness and the electricity that you know kind of animates your body can't be created or destroyed only changed then you can't really die like that can't it can't just wink out into nothing and we haven't even totally figured out where something like consciousness comes from what it is it's it's so arrogant too is the other thing that that really grinds my gears about that reducing it to just chemical reactions in the brain i don't know if it's that simple you know consciousness could be something more than that personally i think it could be the the glue that holds everything together that it's sort of the same as spirituality it's the same as the spirit is that creative force and this is why earlier i talked about like my mystical view of things is how i i kind of view us like in in a big brain or a big mind of god and we're like thoughts in this mind Mm -hmm. of god and god kind of splits himself up and then it has all of these experiences simultaneously and part of our learning is is returning to god realizing that like whoa I'm, i'm a piece of this giant thing that is so much huge and it's reflected from the tiniest little thing to our atoms to the largest patterns in the universe to galaxies and stars yeah. and all that and it's all interconnected have you guys been reading about facebook's change to meta metaverse yeah, yeah we're, we're <laughs> so, into like nfts and crypto and okay so, so we delved into it I mentioned this because I was reading some of the comments recently of, uh, by the way, my, my pastor turned me on to this. He's, he's 
very interesting dude. He does sound. Um, so, <laughs> huh? He sounds fascinating. He's fascinating. You should talk to him sometime. He's he uh, quoted this in a sermon, and I looked it up. And, and one of the board members of Facebook is this guy Mark Andreessen. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but he's sort of an OG in the tech world. He was one of the guys behind Netscape Navigator. He's had his hand in you know everything from Snapchat to TikTok, I think. And he's one of the board members of of Meta. And, you know, this combining virtual reality with Facebook is moving into this virtual reality space. And they've put all the, out all these ads saying, you know, in the future, you will live, work, play and marry in the virtual world. So he's done these interviews that are so creepy. There's one he did where they're calling the real world meatverse. Meat, meat verse because we're just meat bot we're just meat with a brain wow. and no soul it's like just flesh and blood just the just the meat verse and any kind of psychopathic how... in a sense yes that's but that's how they that's how they view us they view us as just meat you know yes. and so he makes this defense you should look this up and read it he makes this defense of meta where he says that um some people live who are, are reality privileged. That's the phrase he used. Reality privilege, and oh they live God. they live in a meat verse where they have uh, access to an amazing job and opportunities and fun people to hang out with and beautiful people to date. But most people are not reality privileged, and so metaverse is about you know providing this virtual reality where they get to live like us elite live like the elite live. Mm -hmm. Just plug mm -hmm. yourself in kind yeah. of permanently and escape your dreary reality. The ultimate escapism. It's, it's you know, yes. and it really it goes along with their whole diversity, equity, inclusion shtick. Yes. To make everybody equal in the metaverse. Yes, it's yeah. so dystopian and he's so just on the nose about it. He's not hiding anything. It's like, you plebes have a dreary existence. It's gonna be better for you. He says, uh, humanity's had 5,000 years to make to, to get reality right and they haven't. So it's time to put all of our efforts into virtual reality. <laughs> so where people can finally be free and equal and have this oh, like utopia and- It's yeah, literally yeah. the matrix. And I think we're already in the matrix, but it's gonna be like another layer, like the matrix inside of the matrix. It's yes. meta. Meta and Mary. Mary. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. I think we're coming up around two hours now. Actually, oh, wow. That which is fast. crazy that cool. that much time has like passed so quick. No, oh, we can keep yeah, going. Here. There's, there's plenty more. I mean, we have time. We can still. I actually right. have to go soon, though. Oh, that's but cool. I would like to talk to you again. We'll yeah, definitely do this again. You know, we'll be happy to come on your show, too. You come you know? on my show. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I was, you guys are having that misinformed event that's in Texas towards the end of April, right? Yeah. Yes. So he's uh, uh, he hosting it, right? No. Oh, Mikey's hosting. Yes. Which is cool as hell. <laughs> he's yeah. going to be a great host. He's so funny. So was, Let me look up the date. It's, I was talking um, to Daniel about maybe, you know, I have a bunch of airline. We're, we're basically poor, but I have a bunch of airline miles. So we can use that to fly out there maybe for a weekend. Oh, yeah, it'd be cool be so to meet, meet some people. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be out there. So it is uh, in Fort Worth on April 23rd. You guys can get tickets at, I think it's Better Discourse. Ooh, I wish I had this pulled up already. Just look up the Better, Better Discourse, Discourse Conference. Uh, yeah, I found it live event site. And 
I'm going to be moderating a couple. It's bettercourseevent.com. I'm going to be moderating a couple panels. They're going to have speakers like um, Blair White, nice. uh, Libby Evans, Nikki Klein. Um, yeah, we, I think there's we, a lot we of definitely want to get Blair on. I sent her a message before, but she's so busy. I'm like, she didn't see it. <laughs> I just, I just think it's yeah. funny that you know Blair would come on our show. I mean, we have. Who knows? I don't know. Why you, not? You, you miss every <laughs> shot you don't take, Brad. You know? Daniel was like, like left. He shot like J.K. Rowling, like a little mess. Why not? <laughs> why not? I mean, why not? Why not? I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, she just ignores it. Yeah, you know? I, I think it's, it's totally worth it. I just <laughs> whatever you know. But it's it's oh, you know, one of the things is we we do want we haven't yet we want to get a trans person who stayed trans on because you know the only one we've had on was a former trans person who detransitioned. Oh. We want to get someone on who has settled into that but is willing to talk and isn't woke. And Blair is one of the few we can think of. I Sarah Higdon. Sarah Higdon. There's Marcus too, who's yeah. the offensive tranny. I reached out to him a couple months ago and it was on like an Instagram comment and he agreed. But I gotta like follow up. With him and bring him on so yeah you know we we, we want to talk to all the dangerous minds <laughs> uh i've talked to sarah she's awesome um she's going to be at freedom fest uh later this year buck angel yes buck too we i love buck, buck. um yeah that, that that's it's such an interesting thing because i still encounter people who even today i had a friend who's kind of in the still in the woke left a little who who commented on one of my Facebook posts and, and, and they get it wrong. They, 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 they don't really understand what I'm saying. It was sort of like, Oh, you're, you're, you want to go back to the old days where there are no trans people. I'm like, no, that's not it at all. Yeah. Um, it's like, I know trans people. Trans, yes. Friends, and yeah. I mean, I used to, when I worked in comedy, man, like, I think I've, I, I knew a lot more trans people than most average people. It's just sort of by, by virtue of the circles I was in and who I worked with and stuff. And it's not a big deal. It's the trans activism, which is part yes. of this whole woke activism. They want to put you in That's the box. The it's the same yes. thing with, with Dave Chappelle. Look, you know, like, you know, and Blair talked about this on her channel, but that last comedy special, all those woke people totally missed the point of it. The main message he was trying to give, I think at the end of that was like, you guys harassed and doxxed and like berated one of your own people simply because they're a friend of mine and defended me and then she ended up killing herself. Yeah, as we said yeah. earlier, that's the danger of thinking that you're one of those holier than thou all good people is that they, you you get into these these mobs and you become the thing that you're act, yeah. you're active you're being against. It's yeah. like they turn into the 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 person that's harassing and doxing and causing harm. It's yeah. And, and they don't have the self-awareness to realize it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys for having me on. Yes. Yeah, let everybody know where they can find you, all your things. Yeah, uh, you can, uh, you can find me online at carriesmith.net. Uh, my new channel on YouTube is called Deprogrammed. If you want to follow me there or anywhere you can find podcasts and, uh, and I have a locals. I just don't, I don't, I don't know how to use locals yet. So yeah, we haven't I'm going to start <laughs> using it more though. <laughs> yeah. Did but, you store locals? No, no, we don't even have one of those yet, but <laughs> we'll try to get like a subscribe score and all that. It's just too much shit to keep up with. Like yeah. so many platforms and man, I wish we just like had enough money to like pay someone to do some of this <laughs> stuff for us. You, have to, you have to yeah. attack it in a system, systemic yeah. way. You have to kind of like write out all of the social medias. Yeah. 
and then you know one day you do one yeah. and then another day you like, do did we put one. this on instagram yet yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like uh, my dog is that. no help i've he he won't he has his own instagram to worry about he doesn't help me with mine all right <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> any any final thoughts message that you want to say to anyone listening uh what's a good one if you're if you think of yourself as open-minded maybe question how true that is yes that's a good good point yeah don't forget to like subscribe comment if you guys want to donate there's links in the description send me a dm for crypto and we will be back again soon with another one later guys Bye bye